0: I'm Taylor Tarter, and this is Fastball Fantasy Baseball. Let's get into it. We've got a lot to cover today, but stick around until the second half of the episode where I'll be interviewing a reporter covering the Red Sox for The Athletic. Before we get going just a quick reminder that you can support the podcast by subscribing for either 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99 per month and earn rewards like stickers, t-shirts and personal fantasy baseball advice. Some quick player news updates. Uh, Keep an eye on the situation with Oakland outfielder Ramon Laureano. It's expected that he's going to get suspended for the benches-clearing brawl, even though he was hit multiple times in the series by Houston pitchers, along with several other A's players, and no Houston players were hit by pitches. Uh, He'll likely appeal and is going to delay the time he misses, but there's a good chance he's still going to miss time at some point, so pay attention to the situation if you roster him. Also, uh, Mets pitcher Marcus Stroman opted out. He was injured and wasn't expected back for a while, but now you don't have to consider him at all. Let's get into some COVID updates.
1: Coronavirus!
0: So there are no new coronavirus cases in the MLB, but both Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesac of the Cleveland Indians violated MLB rules about quarantining by going out after games. They're both going to end up missing time as punishment, so make sure you plan accordingly if you roster either of them. Don't drop them, but remember, you're going to lose some pitching stats by not having them uh, in games. Also, St. Louis is continuing to postpone games. Their series with the Pirates this week has been postponed, and as of Tuesday, August 11th, the doubleheader against the Tigers on August 13th has been postponed as well. So we'll see if they actually play. We'll see if they play the White Sox over the weekend. But just kind of keep your eyes on the news if you roster any Cardinals, Tigers, Pirates, or White Sox players. Because any of them could be affected by this. There are a few injury updates as well. To nobody's surprise, Giancarlo Stanton is hurt. He's out with a hamstring strain. It's a grade 1 strain, which is the least severe. However, he could be out up to three or four weeks, which is significant for such a short season. Also, that's important for uh, Talkman in New York. He is likely to get some time in the outfield, some time at DH, and is definitely worth a roster spot, especially if you have Stanton. Uh, Corey Seeger, Dodger shortstop, has been out with uh, back tightness. But he should be avoiding an IL stint and should be back sometime this week. Minnesota third baseman Josh Donaldson looks like he'll be out for a while after suffering a calf injury that's taking longer than previously thought it would take to recover from. If you're rostering him, you might want to consider dropping him. Uh, Another player I would consider dropping is Houston pitcher Justin Verlander. Uh, He injured his forearm and is still out and may not make it back in time to pitch this season. I would consider dropping him to pick up somebody productive, maybe consider streaming. Um, Another pitcher that's out is Madison Bumgarner, uh, who has a back strain. However, his fastball velocity has been so down this season that even when he comes back, I don't think he's worth rostering uh one pitcher who is coming back is Cubs pitcher Jose Quintana. He's nearing a return, but I wouldn't pick him up right away. You definitely want to see how he does in his first game or two back. And one thing to monitor for him is how the Cubs use him either in relief or uh, if they send him straight back in as a starter. Obviously, he has better value as a starter, uh but uh it, you know, depending on where he comes back, you know, if his If he returns to the rotation, that's going to end up pushing Alec Mills into a relief role in the bullpen, which limits his value going forwards. So kind of keep an eye on that situation. And then uh, last, Charlie Morton, Tampa pitcher, is out with uh, shoulder inflammation. He seems to think it's not too bad, so he could be back soon after his minimum 10 days on the IL. Uh, Keep an eye on that as well. Let's talk some drop ads. I lift things up and put them down. Twins pitcher Randy Dobnak is the most added pitcher in ESPN leagues. Don't be fooled. His strikeout per nine rate is awful. He's getting super lucky and somehow he hasn't allowed a home run yet. Uh, He's walking way too many batters. He's not getting strikeouts. These are not good signs and his FIP and his ex-FIP suggest He's not as good as his ERA may suggest. Do not add him. Uh, I would avoid, for the most part, Seattle's Marco Gonzalez, Detroit's Spencer Turnbull, and Oakland's Chris Bassett for similar reasons. I, I definitely don't think they what they're doing is going to be sustainable. Um, I, I I would be okay streaming them if they have favorable matchups, though. I would, however, pick up uh, one of the most added pitchers, uh, Dodgers pitcher Dustin May. His stuff looks really good. You know, the strikeouts are going to come soon. He looks pretty matchup proof. Um, In terms of hitters, uh, on the most added list, uh, Rangers catcher, third baseman, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is heating up. And he's worth an add because he's somebody who's going to play every day in the field but still has the catcher eligibility. And that's something extremely valuable when catchers don't play every day, Uh, especially also if you have a catcher who's not hitting well. uh, somebody to look for. There's also a few Baltimore batters on the most added list as well that are worth a roster spot. Um, Outfielder Anthony Santander and first base, third base Renato Nunez. In terms of the most drop list, Cubs pitcher Tyler Chatwood is being dropped but I think he's worth holding on to he's got really really excellent strikeout numbers and his Babbitt uh, especially suggests that he's gotten really unlucky in that last start and that his ERA should improve Um, he's definitely a matchup play though I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in every game. Let's take a look at who's hot and who's not in week three of the baseball season. That Hansel's so hot right now. Fernando Tatis has taken over the top spot on ESPN's Player Raider for hitters. The rest of the top five is rounded out by Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, Aaron Judge, and Kyle Lewis. Tatis is playing out of his mind. He should be able to maintain a really solid average, but his power numbers are definitely going to calm down uh, blackman is due for some regression as well his BABIP is insane and unsustainable which means his average is going to come down a bit and his hard contact rate is not very high so it suggests his power numbers should regress as well but he's still definitely rosterable uh, and should be uh, set it and forget it type of player Trevor's story i think should actually improve Uh, His walk rate is up, and his strikeout rate is down from last year. He's absolutely demolishing the baseball, and his BABIP is lower than usual. I don't think we've seen his best baseball yet. Aaron Judge is striking out way too much for his average to get better, and he's not walking, Um, but the power looks legit. If he doesn't start walking soon, we're going to look at a 275-285 hitter for this year and Mariners outfielder Kyle Lewis has been on fire but I would expect some slight regression as well um you know an average and in power uh from him his hard contact rate is decent but not good enough to suggest that he's a legit power bat and his BABIP is astronomical uh, He'll end up batting around 280 or so by the end of the season, which is still pretty good and still definitely holding on, uh, worth holding on to. So just don't drop him when he starts slumping in a week or two. There's only one surprise at the top of the pitching player, Raider, and that's Angels starter Dylan Bundy. They seem to have lo- unlocked something with him in L.A. Uh, He hasn't been walking batters. He hasn't been giving up the long ball. His low BABIP suggests he's been getting lucky, but remember, Babbitt could be influenced by the defense, and he has an excellent defense behind him. His FIP, XFIP, and Sierra all suggest he's doing right around what he should be doing. He should be rostered in every league, but not every pitcher should, so let's talk streaming. Couple of streaming options for you this week. Herman Marquez has a good matchup against the Rangers. Uh, pick up Garrett Richards for a Saturday start against the Diamondbacks. Start Austin Voth against the Mets and Anthony D. Sclafani against the Pirates on Thursday. And in terms of some reliever news, uh, the reliever roundup is that the Angels closer situation is pretty murky, but it looks like Ty Butchery is emerging and is the guy to roster there uh, watch the situation in san diego with kirby yates if you roster him you might want to consider opening a spot for drew Pomeranz as well um, especially if yates ends up on the il and ryan presley and houston despite his era is absolutely worth a roster spot because he is the guy in houston since roberto osuna is out uh, he not uh, Presley. He notched his first save as the new closer. And I'm going to take a quick break, but stick around for my interview with Red Sox reporter for the Athletic, Jen McCaffrey. Joining me on the podcast today is Jen McCaffrey, a writer for The Athletic, covering the Boston Red Sox. Jen, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So I want to start by addressing the the cloud hanging over the sport and society, the coronavirus. And in one of your recent articles, you brought up the issue that Rob Manford may pull the plug on the season if we continue to see teams with outbreaks Do you think he'll actually go through with that? Or do you kind of expect that they'll do what it takes to have the season played through?
1: I think I do think that they'll, you know, do what it takes just because all of this has come down to money, really. Um, All those negotiations back in the spring. And I feel like there's so much money riding on this. They're going to push as hard as they can to try to get in as many games as they can and to try to get the postseason, you know, in because that, of course, is another bump in money. So as much as I think uh, they should be looking at the health and safety of people more so, I think they're more concerned in some sad senses um, about the bottom bottom line for themselves. Um, so where the you know, to a point, you know, I think at some point, um, if like, you know, half the league is is dealing with outbreaks and things like that, then, you know, I think uh, they have to, you know, push comes to shove and they might have to pause the season or even stop it. But, um, but at this point with a couple of teams, I think they're trying to manage around it, around it. And that's what we've seen so far.
0: Kind of like finagling the schedule to, to make it work sort of thing. Exactly. So one of the major stories, the season for the Red Sox has been pitching You know, yeah, sale go down and then McHugh opts out and Eduardo Rodriguez. He's been having complications from COVID. And so the team, you know, it's trying to make it work with uh, Martin Perez, Nadia Valdi, Zach Godley, Ryan Weber. Yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on where the team goes from here with their pitching staff. Is this a pitching staff we see intact for the rest of the season? You know, health pending do you think they make trades to get a better arm? You know, what if one of these guys gets hurt? What do they do at that point? It seems like on the surface, there's not a ton of like starting
1: pitching depth. No, definitely not. <clears throat> so yeah, they um they they were already dealt a blow, you know, before the season started with with Chris Sale going down and Tommy John, and obviously they traded Price in the Mookie Betts deal in February. Yep. Um, but then yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez, they found out that he's going to miss the entire year. So they, uh, with, with uh, like a heart complication following COVID. So, um, they really were already entering the season pretty thin and were already planning to use the opener. And now they basically have the opener in three out of the five spots in the rotation. Um, they've got, yeah, Valdi and Perez. Um, Ryan Weber was actually just sent down to the alternate site. And, uh, oh, So, yeah, he's kind of been scuffling here and there and not been extremely consistent. Zach Godley um, over the weekend um, had a had a decent start. Um, But again, it's sort of, you know, is that going to be what it is next time he comes out? So you really don't know day to day, um, aside from Vivaldi and Perez, who's going to be pitching. They're very much kind of piecing this together. Um, At the same time, I think that's how it's going to be the rest of the season. They're kind of in a rebuild mode, and it's weird to say that because the Red Sox always seem to be one of the competitive teams. But right now they're kind of starting not from scratch, but just definitely from a place they haven't been from in a while. Um, I think you can probably look back to like 2014 and 15 when they sort of um, sent, sent a lot of guys off in trades at the deadline in 2014 and kind of revamped some things. So I could see something like that happening, but with an eye towards the future, not really with an eye towards competing this year or, um, you know, trying to make a spot to Im- a playoff spot to improve this year. I mean, technically they're, they're actually still like in the playoff hunt just because the, the fields expanded this year. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that they're, they're looking at it that way. I think, you know, if they did make a big move at the deadline this year to acquire a pitcher, it would be something for the future. I don't still know what pieces they have that they could trade unless, you know, they trade a, try to trade a guy like J.D. Martinez, who has an opt-out, though, at the end of the year. Um, and they have a couple guys entering free agency like Brandon Workman and Jackie Bradley Jr., but are those guys really going to be able to get you too much, you know, on right. the market? So they're kind of in a weird spot. Um, I Yeah, the, the rotation is obviously going to be the big issue going forward. Um, and, and how they piece this all together, basically for three out of five spots, um, you know, every fifth day.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it, it is kind of, it, you're right in saying it's a, it's a weird spot because they do have, you know, they do have some really good players, JD Martinez, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, uh, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, had, had we not had the COVID outbreak, you know, he probably would have had a, a pretty good season I think that's what you know what was expected same for Nadia Valdi Uh, but they're not quite like what you would see as like a rebuilding team because they still have those guys on the roster like a JD Martinez um, you know that he could be a big trade piece and and sort of going full rebuilding.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's. It's a strange spot for them to be in because they. They. You know. They're only two years, less than two years, removed from that World Series championship in 2018, um, and they. They do have a. You know. A decent lineup. but the. The lineup also isn't hitting right now. That's right. part of. They actually have had. A, you know. A piece together. A few decent days, I guess, if you will, is because that's how we're looking at it at this point. Of of good pitching and the offense has really just been cannot put anything together and they moved Andrew Benintendi out of the leadoff spot they're trying Alex Verdugo in that spot Martinez is like O for his last 20 Devers is the same so they're just really scuffling on all fronts um but it's yeah it's strange to see um just because this should be a competitive lineup and obviously the the pitching you know is is what it is but we thought they might have been able to piece things together a little bit better um, you know, there's just so many different variables variables and you know, you know, I guess you could say the Marlins, you didn't really expect them to be, you know, taking right. off like the way that they did. So it's everything's so unpredictable this year. Um, but there is a good core here and you know, and I don't it'll be interesting to see what Heim Bloom does in terms of how he, you know, either totally dismantles this team in the offseason, um at or at the trade deadline, or if he tries to get guys to supplement around him and, and go from there. I think, you know, we don't, he's only been on the job since October and he's had kind of a heck of a, (laughs) a heck of a stretch with a lot of different things going on from the sign ceiling scandal to the COVID to, you know, the Mookie Betts trade. So it'll be interesting to see how we actually have like a, a a full off season, what he does with this team.
0: Crazy year to be uh, the the brand new GM. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And you know, one thing that kind of, we're alluding to a little bit is like the how the COVID situation has, you know, impacted or changed their outlook on the season and what they're trying to do as far as like some of the decisions they make under normal circumstances, you know, being buyers or sellers at the deadline, that sort of thing, you know, do you think they're going to sort of lean into like basically, in you know, in your opinion, being around the team, do you see them kind of like leaning into the rebuild,
1: uh, you know, going forwards? I think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't like. I know I just said a couple minutes ago. If it will see, you know, if if Heim totally you know dismantles this, I don't see that happening. You know, I still think by this time next year there'll be Devers, there'll be Bogarts, there'll be Benintendi, there'll be Vasquez. There's there's there'll be Verdugo. I think they'll still be a good core of this team, but I do think, um, he's going to have to make some pretty significant moves. I mean, and the other thing is this is still a $200 million payroll team. Like, you know, this is, they, I mean, that part of that is because they have some big contracts with, with sale and, you know, the extension for Bogarts and for JD Martinez, but this is still a team where people feel needs to be competitive, but mainly because of the payroll. I mean, and they, they have been so, and they should be, um, so yeah, I mean, lean in to the rebuild as much as they can because of this, you know, because of the payroll that they have and and the um the pieces that they already have here. I don't think it'll be a like a strip down of the studs kind of, you know, hundred loss type uh yeah, rebuild like like the the Cubs and the and the Astros did back, you know, several years ago before they won their championships. I think it'll be kind of like a, a, Bo- a Boston version of a rebuild. Um and I still think, you know, what that is remains to be seen. But I think he has a lot of work to do, obviously, in building up the rotation this this winter um, in, in the bullpen, too. And that'll be the the priority.
0: And so right now you've got Evaldi Perez and Godley all with, like, pretty similar numbers. Do you see any of them pulling ahead of the others statistically? Like, do you see a quote-unquote ace kind of emerging um, out of those three, and or do you think like the numbers that we're seeing now are probably along the lines of what we'll get rest of the way, hovering in that like three fifty four ERA and the six seven eight strikeouts per nine.
1: So I think Perez and, and God Perez for sure, Godly. I'm not so sure, um, you know. But I think those are the numbers that we should expect to see out of them. I think Avaldi's better uh, better than he's pitched, um, you know. So far, he had a really good first uh, first start and kind of like a mediocre second two starts. Um, I think he can be better, and he, he will be better. Um, so I think that of those three, he's definitely the one that's kind of viewed as like the main guy, the ace, uh, I guess, if you will, of, of this staff anyway. Um, and it's just a matter, you know, he hasn't really had the chance to be because he's had so many injuries over the years, and I think that he's definitely viewed as kind of like the, the number one for this team. And I think the numbers for him will get better. The strikeouts, I think, will will rise a little bit. Um, and he just kind of, you know, will fall into a little bit more of a a better role. Um, I don't think he's going to, you know, finish the year with like a two, two ERA. Right. But um, I could see him getting down to like the three or, you know, high twos potentially. Um, it just kind of, yeah, well, again, I think it'll depend on just, yeah, who they're, who they're facing down the stretch, but also if this offense gets going that was another thing that was uh kind of um hurt him i guess and one i can't remember exactly what start it was but he was pitching pretty well and and the offense just wasn't doing anything at all and then he gave up a couple runs and got the loss so um yeah i think he's the one out of those three that they'll look to as as their as their top guy
0: and are there any Red Sox starting pitchers in the minors that we should be keeping an eye out for this season? Like, should we expect to see Jake Groom? You know, I, I know he's one of the the top arms in the in the system.
1: Yeah. So not so much Groom. So um, Groom is uh, like still working his way back from Tommy John surgery. He was like barely pitched in the minors at all. So the main reason they put him on the on like the alternate site roster, the sixty man roster, whatever you want to call it was basically just to get him innings um, in development because he really needs to get um, just to get back out there. And they wanted to have him in a more controlled environment as opposed to these guys kind of doing everything on their own. Um, You know, the the other minor leaguers in the organization that aren't at the alternate site. But there are a couple guys, Tanner Houck and Brian Mata are definitely the top two guys that are inching towards um, potentially seeing time at some point this year. Um, you know, we actually had a call with Bloom like a week or so ago, and he did say that, you know, he doesn't want to get people too excited that, you know, because they're not, basically because they're not doing well, that they'll start calling up all these prospects to. Right. Just, they don't want to like skip the development. How has to really work on how he approaches left handers. Um, he's he's a really good pitcher, but he has a lot of work to do in terms of how how his pitches kind of come come, come to left-handed hitters basically, and just doesn't have the, the best numbers against them. So I think that's something they're, they're trying to have him focus on and Mata's still young. He's like 21, 22. So, um, there's still some development curve there. I think both of those guys, Mata probably would have started in double a and Hawk might've started at triple a, I think he ended the year, like a few starts in triple a. So they're kind of like on the cusp, but not quite there. I think maybe by the end of the season, we could at least say, see, uh, Tanner Hoke, um, But uh, but I'm not sure that we'll see Mata and Groom just kind of just, like I said, needs that time down there to continue developing. So there's not not a ton of um, guys down there that they um, can rely on for starting pitching depth, but there's a couple. They've also talked about Darwins and Hernandez, who's been a reliever for them, um, but they might. So he's a guy who had uh who was diagnosed with COVID and has finally recovered and is doing better. Um, but he's been down at Pawtucket as well, kinda building up some innings and initially had been, you know, the the story with him was that he'd kind of be the back end of the bullpen. Um, that had been his role, but they're thinking they might want to stretch him out a little bit. Um down the down the line so his role is maybe sort of up in the air right now in terms of whether he might come in as like an opener another option for an opener um or if they'll just bring him back depending on you know how long it takes I guess for him to build up that strength in like one or two winning roles for for the bullpen so um there's a couple options but again yeah not, not nothing um that's kind of imminent I guess if you will
0: the more so just kind of like what we see is what we get, basically.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Okay. And so kind of along the pitching lines, you know, one one thing for fantasy baseball, one position where it's hard to find consistency and hard to find a sure thing is closer. So how tight do you think Brandon Workman's grip is on the closer role? And who do you think would be next in line were he to have like a a string of bad games or to get hurt?
1: Yeah. So Workman has a pretty tight grip on that role. Um, I don't foresee him unless, you know, yeah, again, unless he gets sick or hurt, um, I can't really see him losing that, that role mainly because there's not too many guys that could take over in that spot. Um, Matt Barnes is kind of the eighth inning guy, seventh, eighth inning guy, but he's actually been having a rough year so far. He's given up like, Four runs and in five outings, or something like that. Um, so he's kind of he's going through something right now. He would generally be the next in line guy. Um, but I'm trying to think of who would be someone that would take over for Workman if Workman got sick. Um, maybe a guy kind of like Colton Brewer. He's he's actually been at the beginning of games, but has experience at the back end. Um, I don't think that they would necessarily put Ryan Brazier in that spot. So I mean, honestly, if I I think it's kind of work, Workman or bust and they mm-hmm. kind of just piece things together um at the back end if it if it wasn't um if he if he was down
0: okay and it's, so this is kind of going back to something you mentioned before that there's a couple batters on the Red Sox who've gotten off to slow starts and you've written about this as well Ben Intendi Devers JD Martinez in particular um and then there are players like Michael Chavez Jackie Bradley Jose Peraza that you know, are doing our right, but aren't producing that much. And you, you've written that JD Martinez might be struggling because he's uncomfortable hitting out at the two spot in the order and that the manager has been using a lot of like data to make his lineups. And there hasn't been a lot of consistency in the lineup construction. Do you can, do you contribute that to some of the other slow starts too? Or do you think, you know, it's a product of just the crazy circumstances quick ramp up with a long break or sort of a mix of everything. I, th-
1: I think it, in in general, it is a mix of a lot of those things, but I do think, you know, one thing that JD's talked a lot about over the past few days and, and weeks, and again, it's different for every team and, you know, I guess it's the same for every team in terms of what they have available to them, but the Red Sox rely a lot and a lot more, I think, than some other teams on video. And this year, because of um, the COVID restrictions where their guys aren't allowed to come to the park early, they're not allowed to be in the cages together. They're not allowed to have these advanced meetings, but they're also not allowed to kind of in-game hover around the, the video monitors and kind of review their at-bats or kind of look at at-bats that they might have had against a certain pitcher in-game, um, you know, to try to adjust things on the fly. That's something that's a, like a hallmark of JD's um game and how how he's become so good at what he does he has like a a database of like every swing he's ever taken in his career um and kind of can compare and contrast it against things that they have at the park but they don't have those things at the park this year because MLB is basically trying to make sure guys um stay distant and he he also, you know, over the past few couple years since he's been here, has sort of acted as like a third hitting coach, you know, in addition to the the main hitting coach Tim Hires and the assistant hitting coach um because he'll kind of like sit down with some of the players and Um, Pull their video and help them with their swings and they just they can't do that this year. Um, So so every team obviously has these restrictions. But I think the video stuff for them is uh, so much more pronounced just because they use it in such a different way. Um, And I think, you know, they have been one of the better offenses over the past few years. And I think that's kind of why. Um, because they've been able to kind of dissect a lot of this this video and take the time to do it, as opposed to just going on feel or maybe you know putting in a little effort in the video room, but not as much. Um, so I think that has had a trickle down effect on a lot of the guys, obviously particularly JD, um, and it just kind of you know um, has snowballed. You know, once a guy, one guy's pressing, or the best guy in the team, that's the best hitter on the team, like JD's pressing, then it kind of you know. Falls endeavors and Ben Benintendi's not getting on base, and then and then you know you got like two guys hitting, and that's not going to do anything. Right. Um. So so yeah. So I think um that's that's been something they've talked about a lot of just not having that, um, getting used to all all those kind of changes, but not having that video there to to help them um to to kind of like assist any tweaks or things that they um you know can't notice on their own uh, in real time
0: not that immediate, like, ability to adjust. Exactly. And so kind of on the hitting thread, you know, Jeter Downs is one of the top hitting prospects on the system. You know, Do we see him potentially called up if Chavis and Peraza hit a rough patch in that second base platoon?
1: Yeah, so I think um, potentially he could potentially come up. He's another guy that probably would have started the year at double A and has some – um, you know, um development that he needs to go through. He is one of the he is, you know, the top position player prospect in the system. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of um high regard I guess he's held in a high regard among a lot of people in the organization. But again, I don't know that they necessarily want to rush things with him. I think that one of their other top prospects, um, Bobby Dahlback, was kind of a corner infielder, could be um, the next in line prospect to come up. He's a big power hitter. He actually was on the taxi squad when they were in Florida, Tampa um, last week. So it seems like he's inching a little closer. Chavis has sort of, um, he's been having a lot. Of, he's dating back to last year, striking out way too much. And the thought is that he could have benefited from spending some time at AAA this year obviously he doesn't have uh that option um and they've been keeping him as sort of the the backup for peraza and he's also been splitting time um at first base right. with mitch mitch morland um but they're you know seeing dalbeck on the on the taxi squad last week kind of was a slight indication that you know are they going to give him a chance sometime soon and have him get the reps at first base have peraza just Kind of take over second base like he has been for the most part, and and send uh, Chavis down to down to the alternate side of Pawtucket to get to get some work in, and also just to kind of get away from the the spotlight of the major league games where he's not pressing so much. So um, I could see Dalbeck coming up sooner than Downs. Um, I think Downs is if he does come up, it would probably be kind of in the you know final couple weeks or something along those just lines. Get
0: him some at bats and see how he does, sort of thing.
1: Exactly. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of where, where they stand with those guys.
0: Um, and so another batter I, I wanted to ask about who's, you know, one of the few batters for Boston that's really, really producing is Kevin Pillar. Mm-hmm. Um, should we, you know, expect him to stay in the lineup and, and be productive because, you know, he's I've been crushing lefties in the platoon, but, you know, you have Benintendi struggling in the outfield, Jackie Bradley. And I know those guys stay in the lineup because of their defense a lot of times. Um, do you see the Red Sox manager letting him hit full time? Or do you see him kind of staying in that that sort of lefty hitting platoon? Because that's sort of the drawback of, of picking up Pilar in fantasy baseball is, you know, yeah. he doesn't have the value of playing every day.
1: Right, yeah, I think that's something we've all been wondering. Actually, is just why he hasn't been getting even more playing time because he is one of the you know most consistent hitters on the team. Um, he's been coming into a lot of games, kind of replacing you know Benintendi or our Bradley in, in games. But um, in terms of starting games, you know, hasn't seen as much um, as you know you would have expected just because he's been he's been so so good at the plate. Um, so yeah, I, I think that might start to change. You know, he had a good night last night. Um, and, uh, had her obviously also great on defense, he had a pretty, um, pretty amazing catch. He ran into the wall and th- looked like he was going to hurt himself, but bounced right back and, uh, hit a, like a deep drive to, to the, to the warning track that got reeled in. But he, uh, yeah, he's, he's been pretty impressive to watch. Um, and just the ability to stay so consistent when he's got such a weird, you know, schedule of, of when he comes into games and whatnot pinch hits or sometimes starting sometimes in right field sometimes you know in center um so that's been you know uh, a plus on his part and I think they're they're noticing it um I think the the ones you know the one thing that works against him is that you know the the, the Red Sox and and Ron Reneke know that they they need to get Ben Benintendi and, and Jackie going Jackie Bradley going and you know sitting in them isn't gonna really do much for that but at some point they they need to turn to Pilar a little bit more um, just to maybe, you know, spark some, something going with this offense. And then maybe Bradley and Ben and Tendy will, will pick things up. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could foresee him getting a little more playing time just because he's, he's been doing so well and, you know, they need, they need something to kind of um, juice this lineup up a little bit more. Um, and, and maybe they'll rely on him, you know, in the coming days and weeks to to give them more of that spark.
0: Well, Thank you, Jen, so much for joining me and for talking some baseball. Uh, you can find Jen at JC McCaffrey on Twitter, and you can find her articles on The Athletic.
1: Thank, thanks so much for having me. appreciate it.
0: Take care. That's all for today's episode. Uh, again, I'd like to thank my guest for coming on, Jen McCaffrey, and I'll be back next week with some more updates and advice for you. Thanks for listening.